Open our eyes, Lord, that we might see. Open our ears that we might hear. Open our mind and our heart that we might understand, so that we will turn to you and live. Sometimes the disciples would argue behind Jesus' back about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Sometimes they would scheme over how some other religious group was getting credit they thought they deserved. Sometimes they would come to Jesus supercharged because they'd been able to cast out demons, and it was exhilarating. So it's in this spirit that I hear the disciples ask in the Luke text that we read last week, just before the one this week, when they said to Jesus, Hey, Jesus, increase our faith. Now, maybe there were good intentions here, but it seems that perhaps what the disciples were really getting at was, hey, Jesus, give me some more of that faith stuff. Give me the juice. I want to do something big. I want to do something important. Give me a big dose of that faith. I wonder if maybe Jesus heard the disciples the same way because Jesus said, more faith? What do you mean more? All you need is a tiny pinch, like the tiniest little seed. And well, see that mulberry tree over there? If you just have the littlest pinch, all you need to do is tell that mulberry tree to go throw itself in the ocean and it will. Do you have a pinch of faith? Well, apparently, this pointed story wasn't quite enough to drive home what Jesus was trying to say. Apparently, Jesus spied out how the disciples were still working overtime trying to build their resume, trying to work the angles with this faith thing in hopes that Jesus would recognize them as the uber disciples. And they'd climb the ladder double time. So Jesus tells them a story. And Jesus says, if someone who works for you returns from the field after getting the seed planted and the cows milked and returns the tractor into the barn, do you see that person and say, oh, mercy me, you're amazing, astounding, a marvel, really. You may be the best employee the world has ever known. Please sit down, let me feed you. No, Jesus says, we don't get a world of kudos for just doing our job. Get over yourselves. This is a moment where uh, every once in a while I veer from probably what is good practice for a pastor, and I write my own biblical text. This is, uh, this is when version, chapter 17, verse 10, that I insert in a number of places in the Bible. Jesus looked at his stalwart disciples, that energetic band who could barely take a break from flexing their spiritual muscles, their brilliant theology, and their heroic intentions, and said, well, la di frickin' da. <laughs> but all of this must have burned in Luke's memory because at precisely this moment, Luke had another Jesus story that he wanted to tell, and he wanted to tell it right here. Luke remembered how, while traveling between cities, ten lepers approached Jesus, but not too close, of course. Lepers wouldn't do that. Lepers would always stay at a distance. But to engage Jesus at all was a brave thing to do because they were outcasts. They were considered unclean. They were unapproachable. 
But the ten lepers cried out to Jesus, even from a distance, Jesus, help us. You know, um, that may be one of the best prayers in the Bible. I think it's Anne Lamont who said, there's two main prayers she has. Jesus, help me, and Jesus, thank you. It seems like those two prayers carry most of what we need to say. Jesus told them to all go to the priest. The priest was the only one who could say a leper wasn't a leper anymore. And so they did. And on their way, obeying Jesus by walking to the temple, they found out that they were clean. Their skin lesions were gone. They were clean and bare as a baby's behind. They were like new. But one of the lepers stopped. One of the lepers turned around. One of the lepers returned to Jesus. And this leper, Luke says, came back praising God in a loud voice. Whenever something really bad has happened to you, when fortunes turn and when your heart is able to connect that, there is a deep joy. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked Jesus. And here's the kicker in the story. Luke wants to make absolutely certain we know this. This one, this man, this previous leper, he was a Samaritan. Now we have a double whammy at this point of the story. This guy was an outcast because he was a leper. But he was an outcast times two because he was a Samaritan. The Samaritans were a racially mixed religious group that differed from mainstream Judaism in several ways. In other words, this man was exactly the wrong person to be coming back to Jesus. Exactly the person we would never expect to return to Jesus is precisely the one who did. There's something uh, in a number of the gospel stories where we are, encounter someone who's the wrong person, someone who's a foreigner, someone who's an outsider, someone who doesn't have their theology just right. But oftentimes in the scriptures, there's something else happening. There is something the scriptures talk about, which is the matter of the heart. And there was something in the Samaritan's heart that was turned toward God. We need to be really wise and careful and cautious who we push to the outside. And Jesus asks those who were traveling with him as the Samaritan leper returned, weren't there 10? This is a Samaritan, weren't there 10? Is a foreigner the one who doesn't even seem to know all the truth the only one who has the good sense to be grateful. Now, it's very beautiful here when it says that this, this one leper fell at Jesus' feet thanking him. This word thank is eucharistone. It means to be full of joy, to be full of thanksgiving. And do you hear that word eucharistone? It's where we get the word eucharist for the table. It's why the table is called the great thanksgiving. 
Because like a leper, we come back to the place where we're healed. We come back to the one who heals us. And it's not just a matter of duty, and that's the problem with these kind of texts. I mean, it's easy for a preacher to get very moralistic and just give you seven reasons why you should be more grateful. There's something really deeper happening here. It's a heart that's erupting because they have encountered God. Every time we come to this table, it's a place we're invited to thanksgiving. It's a place where we're invited to say, Lord, help me. It's a place to receive that help, and it's a place like the Samaritan leper, like the outsider, to say, thank you. Thank you. Jesus tells a Samaritan leper, who isn't a leper anymore, to get up and go home, and to go home healed. Now, what I find very powerful about this story is that all the lepers are healed. Not only the one who came back and gave thanks, all the lepers were healed. There is something about God's generosity which ought to scandalize us. God is not generous only to those who deserve generosity because then we're all in a deep pile. But to this Samaritan, Jesus did say, rise and go, and he said something new. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you well. There is a kind of healing. There is a way of being healed. There is a deep restoration of body and soul that seems to be only able to be received by those with the hearts wide enough to receive it. This is, it seems to me, where gratitude plays in. Gratitude, this openness of our heart, this readiness to receive God and whatever God has. That gratitude did not win the healing, but it sure seemed that it made that deeper healing possible. Jesus once asked a man who was laying by the pool of Bethsaida, do you want to be well? It seems like God's healing, God's goodness, God's generosity, God's wellness pours over all of us and over the world. But there has to be something in us that's open to receive the deepest expression of that. If God is only a means to some other accomplishment or purpose, if God is only a means to making our life work, then God's generous love will still nourish us and help us. God doesn't turn away. But it seems like there's so much more that we will miss out on, so much more that we'll never even consider receiving. It's interesting that we don't have any record of the Samaritan praying an explicit prayer or reciting a doctrinal statement. The Samaritan's faith was expressed by gratitude by coming back to God and with a heart that was erupting, saying, thank you. Gratitude provides one of those deepest and perhaps most faithful languages for the soul. This last week, I, I got to be in Montana for a few days, and amen. <laughs> uh, 
there were several things I got to do. One of the things that I had planned was just a few days for a spiritual retreat, and I wanted to do some hiking. And uh, I got to do a, a, a trail called the, the Swift Creek Trail up near Whitefish. And then I, another day I went into the Glacier National Park, and I hiked up to this, this lake called Avalanche Lake. And when I was driving back, I was talking to Miska on the phone, and Miska said, so did you have any kind of conversations with God? Is there anything? And I thought about it a moment. I was like, you know, I, not, nothing really explicit. But what I was aware of was like almost the whole time I was, I was walking, I kept pausing, and I saw the rawness around me and the beauty. And frankly, it, it took me out for a few days from the insanity of our world right now, and I found myself just saying, thank you. Thank you, God. Whenever we find ourselves encountering the true things of this world and we allow ourselves to pause and to receive it and to welcome it, we're receiving mercy and we're receiving God. It's the same thing I feel so often with my sons, with this woman that I love, with our old house that's stretching me in a million ways, with the opportunity to be your pastor, with, for me, the deep breath of this cool October air. I mean, I know I said it, and it might sound incredibly cheesy, but it does something in me. I, I, I love it. Gratitude for the God who heals our soul and makes us right again. You know, um, this, this one leper, this foreigner, this one who wasn't supposed to know these kinds of things, was in the truest sense in his right mind. He came back to God. And it doesn't seem, at least from the way this Luke tells the story, there wasn't anything more he was looking for. There was something inside his heart that was so open and so awakened and so alive now that he just wanted more of that. And he came home. And this is the invitation for all of us. It's just to come home. And you might say, well, I don't feel grateful. Okay, come home. You might say, well, I'm not even sure if I'm a foreigner or not. Okay, come home. I'm not sure if I need to come home. You do. <laughs> come home. I don't know if I can trust this God because I have really been burned. I get it. I get it. Come home. Well, I don't know if I can stand, you know, that Christian stuff. Okay, take what you can and the doses you can, but come home. Because God is there. And God will heal you. It may not come the way you want. It may not come in the timing you want. But I'm just here to bear witness that God will heal you. So come home. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.